Did you know that the fastest growing church in the world is in the Islamic Republic of Iran? Mike Ansari oversees a call-in talk show that gets a lot of phone calls from within Iran. Mike has witnessed the radical transformation that comes when many of his callers come to know Jesus in a personal way. All of a sudden they have a new opportunity for life, a new chance at life. It's as if these people have been dead before and now all of a sudden they're alive. They don't care of any, of any consequences. They become so bold. They call it boldness of, in Holy Spirit. They just become so bold. They pick up the phone and they just say, I'm here. Let the world know that my name is so-and-so. I live in this town and I don't want to hide anymore. Everybody know, my neighbors should know that I'm a Christian. And that's exactly what they do. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're in the studio today with a special guest. We're going to be talking about Iran. We're going to be talking about satellite television broadcasting. Our guest is the president of a group called Heart for Iran. They are working to reach Iranian people around the world. His name is Mike Ansari. Mike, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you for inviting me to be here and greetings to all the listeners. Let's talk a little bit first about your story, because uh, I know you were born in Iran. You were born in a Muslim family uh, and then later left Iran, came to America uh, and really was an atheist. Basically said, you know what? I saw Islam in Iran. I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with God. And then what happened? I thought I was this happy young man in America chasing the American dream, coming from a different nation um, at the time where things were challenging in my country. But then I had no idea that God had different plans for me. My mom and dad, after 10 years of being away from us, eventually managed to uh, leave Iran and come to America. And uh, mom and dad, unfortunately, had a broken marriage. And uh, one night, my mom um, had a dream about Jesus. And that dream completely devastated our family. It changed uh, all of our lives. It got uh, so intense that my father pulled me aside and said, Mike, I'm really concerned about your mom. She's been nice to me after all these years. I'm, I, what is wrong? Is she bipolar or schizophrenic? And I said, Dad, I know. Ever since she's been going to that church, she's just become a new person. And, and isn't that what's supposed to happen? When we come to Christ, we are a new creation. How did you come to the point of saying, wow, my mom has really changed. There must be something to this. Yes. Well, I was I was an atheist. I mean, I had experienced the Iranian revolution and the atrocities that is committed in the name of God or Allah. And I told myself at an early age that, you know, if this is what uh, religion and spirituality is all about, I want to have nothing to do with it. So I was an atheist at that time. But I couldn't deny the fact that there was something fundamentally transforming my mom right in front of me. And for six months, I just couldn't figure out. I mean, I started going with her to church. I was suspicious of all these pastors and all these leaders at the church. I figured they're probably brainwashing her. I realized that after six months that she's got something that I don't have, that a lot of people that I know don't have. And that's this awesome peace, this awesome joy that is just coming from a spring that I have no idea, I mean, where it was coming from. 
So after six months, I got on my knees and I said, well, they call you father. If you do exist and they say that you have a son named Jesus Christ, I thought that Jesus was a prophet. That's it. And they're saying that he's the Lord. And I don't understand that. I mean, because if you think about it, most of the Muslims, the point of um, challenge with Christianity is the fact that the person of Christ is, is the Lord. Uh, and they, they can't go beyond that. So for me, it was a huge challenge. But I got on my knees and I said, well, if your son, they say, is, is the Lord and can change my mom like this, then can your son also come into my life and change my life? And I got on my knees, and I never forget this. I actually got on my knees and I said, God, give me what you have given my mom because I know that she's not fake. She's a real deal. And that was April 25, 1996, when I gave my heart to Christ. And my life practically changed. Everything changed. My value system changed. My, my ambitions changed. And it just didn't happen overnight. It, it, was, it, it took time. But I developed this amazing thirst for Scripture. I was just reading it. I remember going on trips and just all my buddies would go out hiking and I'm just sitting in a cabin reading the Bible and I had no idea what had come over me. I just think it's interesting that you went to the church kind of to rescue your mom. You were thinking, hey, I, you know, there's something going on here that's not right. I got to I gotta help out my mom. And, and the end is your heart is rescued and, and you come to faith. I want to talk a little bit about your family background just from the sense of you talk about being Muslim, but being non-practicing. And I know the vast majority of the Muslim world, that's the case. That they would, if you ask them, they 100%, they would say, oh yeah, absolutely, I'm a Muslim. But they don't read the Quran and they don't pray five times a day and they don't do all of the things. So how do we as, as Christians, how do we speak into that, what I would say nominal or non-practicing Muslim, how do we reach them? Well, that particular um, demographic, there are not necessarily religious. We call them secular Muslims. Um, they are they believe themselves to be Muslims by birth, but they really are not practicing. They're not practicing what you would call a, a devout Muslim would practice. Uh, but they're very spiritual. I mean, uh, Iranians may not be uh, so much religious Muslim, although it's a part of the fabric of their culture, of our culture. But uh, what happens is uh, they're quite a spiritual. Remember that Iran was a birthplace of Zoroastrianism, mm -hmm. of Mitraism, and of all these different things. So Iranians are very bright uh, people, and they are very much spiritual. And they, they take a little bit of every religion, every good, good thing from every religion and belief, and they apply it to their life. So when you come about the concept of Christianity, all of a sudden the walls go up. When you tell them about uh, there's this person called Jesus Christ, are you interested to learn more about Christianity? All of a sudden, they go and hide behind that false wall of Islam. Mm, I and, see. And they don't, they, they just shun you back. They just say, you know what? They just say, no, we, we're not interested in that because we're Muslims. I remember that a lot of my friends, my college friends, which uh, we used to go and hang out with each other, we'll, we'll, you know, from time to time, we'll go to a bar and have a beer. So they were not practicing. The moment I became a Christian, they all fors forsake me. They all labeled me as, as unclean Christian, and they just walked away. And it was really, it was really um, depressing for me because these were my buddies that I used to you know, be really close to. And it's interesting that they would go to a bar with you and drink a beer, which is anti-Islam, forbidden in Islam, and that was okay. They'd still hang out with you then. But if you're a Christian, then suddenly, oh, oh, whoa, that's that's right. a, a too far. I I can't. But wow. generally, Iranians are very open-minded. So if you if you tell them about Christ that you have become Christian, they'll they'll receive you. Most of them will receive you. My own father, 
Uh, my own father received me, and he's my dad is 100 years old, actually. We talk about those, the people of Iran. Why is it that, that media is such a key to reaching them with the gospel? So traditionally, for the past 37 years, we're in 2016 now, uh, since 1979, the Iranian revolution has found the Iranians to, to be isolated. They have isolated the Iranians from, from outside, from the West, to the best of their ability. Iran's population right now stands at about 70% of under 30 years of age. These are the children of revolution. These are people who have never seen Iran during the time of the Shah, so they don't know any better. Yet, uh, when they go online and they turn on the TV, they realize that something else is happening around them. So there's this innate thirst for them to connect to the West, to the rest of the world. So um, we are finding Iranian youth to be very, very tech-savvy, and uh, they have f access to Facebook, Twitter, and, and social media, it makes it very interesting for us to be able to see that uh, they're, they're tuned in. They're completely tuned in. Also, satellite television in Iran is not filtered. They try to filter it and jam it, but it's not successful. And that's the best way for Iranians to stay connected with the outside world. It just happens that out of maybe five or 600 channels that they can receive on their transponder, on their receiver, four at this moment are Christian. So the timing is there, the opportunity is here, and we've seen amazing response from Iranians watching satellite uh, TV Christian programming. You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio, and we're talking this week with Dr. Mike Ansari. He is the president of a group called Heart for Iran. They are one of our Voice of the Martyrs partners to reach into the nation of Iran to support the church in that country. Mike, you mentioned the response of the people, and I know you shared a story this morning in our chapel service here, uh, the response of a guy who literally called in after watching, he called in on live television, <laughs> and he said, I'm using the same cell phone that the government calls me on to threaten me for calling you guys. Here's my name. Here's where I live. So when you talk about bold faith, that's bold. That's correct. So, um, we, we always ask these people to please don't, don't give out your information. <laughs> don't, don't make it easier for the Iranian intelligence agency to, to track you down and persecute you. It is a reality that pretty much all the phone calls, all the communications um, uh, from inside Iran to outside are being monitored by the Iranian um, security agency. And yet people keep calling you. Uh, people, I mean, they yeah. know that. The people know in the Iran risk. know that. But they call you and say, hey, I just prayed to receive Christ. Hey, I really want a Bible. Hey, tell me more about Jesus. That That's phenomenal to me. Absolutely. The thirst, I mean, I cannot even describe it to you. All I can tell you is that we ask them not to share anything. Then all of a sudden they have this, as if they have this found this elixir of life. I mean, that's the only way that I can describe it. All of a sudden, they have a new f opportunity for life, a new chance at life. It's as if these people have been dead before, and now all of a sudden they're alive. They don't care of any of any consequences. They become so bold. They call it boldness of in Holy Spirit. They just become so bold. They pick up the phone and they just say, "I'm here. Let the world know that my name is so and so. I live in this town." And I don't want to hide anymore. Everybody know. My neighbors should know that I'm a Christian. And that's exactly what they do. And I know that your your phone people are saying, whoa, 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 calm down. Don't, don't yes. give so much information. Right. We actually care very much for the security of our viewers and our callers. And we have measures in place. The last thing we want to see is to see anybody uh, being persecuted or their health uh, or their safety being jeopardized. So we are very adamant. And we have the technology uh, 
pieces in place to to protect them as much as we can. But there's nothing we can do when they choose to come out there and just share their name. And for our listeners, I I want people to understand what this means. This, This is basically like calling NBC News and saying, hey, this is my name and I'm committing a felony in this location right now. I mean, they are literally ad- admitting to apostasy. I was a Muslim. Now I'm following Jesus Christ, and I'm so excited about it. That's a crime. Apostasy is uh, punishable by death under Islamic Sharia. Now, Iranian Sharia, Iranian's constitution is also based on the Islamic uh, Sharia as well. So although uh, not everybody who has come to Christ has been uh, killed because of that, many have been. And Iranian government is very much active in uh, persecuting Christians. Uh, Open Doors International ranked Iran as the ninth most persecuted nation in the world. And I know part of what you're doing is is helping to build the church through people inside Iran. And I want to talk about that that issue of persecution, because a part of discipling a new believer— is getting them ready to be persecuted, uh, getting them ready to be arrested, getting them ready to be interrogated by the police. How do you do that? How do you prepare them to stand up under persecution and not lose their faith and even to be more bold in their faith? Uh, the number one thing that we need to do is, or we have to do is, to make sure that these people um, get their hands on a Bible because they need to grow in their new faith. We want to make sure that uh, they don't treat Christianity as, as you know, a, a garb, that they take off the Islamic garb, now they put on a Christian garb, and now they're, uh, they're Christians all of a sudden. Uh, they need to grow in their new faith, but they need to learn their new faith. And the most difficult way of, of doing that is getting uh, them a Bible. And as you know, in Iran, it is illegal to, uh, to have a Bible, and Bibles are not sold uh, on the corners of, uh, you know, of the streets. So um, they need to go underground to be able to obtain the Bible. And we do send Bibles into the country to people who contact us. And then uh, what we do is our counselors, they spend time with them. It takes anywhere from six months to a year to bring a seeker to a place of receiving Jesus as their Savior and then starting some discipleship. And then also we have online courses for them uh, to be able to help them and, and learn more. A certain um, percentage of the of the viewers have access to uh, technology, internet, and other things that do that. The rest eventually get absorbed into the underground house church. And I want to talk about that because, you know, some of these people who are calling, you know and I know, they're not interested in the television or the gospel. They're working for the government. They want to figure out what's going on here. So you guys have a huge burden— to try to figure out, okay, is this legitimate? Is this guy really genuine or is this a spy? How do you do that? It's very difficult. So we treat everybody as somebody who's lost based on the scripture. And it doesn't matter if they are a a rogue government agent or they're genuine seekers. We share the gospel with them regardless. I'll share with you one story in particular. A a 20-year-old gentleman from the Kurdish part of Iran named Haydar uh, called us several years ago, and um, he had uh, he was illiterate, and he was watching satellite TV, and um, he gravitated towards Christianity, called us, and um, we prayed with him. He gave his heart to Christ, and for six months, we were discipling him with the phone, on the phone. He went to the town center and started telling his friends and his buddies and co-workers that, I have become a Christian. Why, wow. don't, you, why don't you guys come and become a Christian? It's, it's very simple. It makes sense. 
uh, instead of talking about death and, and agony and fear, let's talk about love. And the news got to the agents, government agents. So we record all of our phone conversations with the viewers. Um, one day when Haydar was on the phone with our call center, his house got raided by the government agents. While he was on the phone. While he was guys. on the phone oh, with wow. us. And we actually uh, recorded, we have the soundbite for that raid. For the first few minutes, they're beating him up. And he's crying, saying, please stop beating me. After a while, there's silence. And then... They were none wiser that this whole thing is being captured live. I mean, there was a live call going through. Eventually, they found out that the phone is, is sitting on the desk. They picked it up, and they looked, and they realized that they had called the same um, television station, our station, Mohapa TV, that they were there to arrest this guy for. So uh, they had a dialogue with our, um, with our uh, counselor. And uh, they said, you guys are dangerous for the people of Iran, and we beat this guy up because you guys have caused it. His blood is on your hands. We learned afterwards that um, Haydar was killed uh, from his cousin. The reality is um, we want to keep people safe, but um, persecution is happening in Iran, and government is relentless. At what point then do you try to connect them in with a house church or, or, you know, because I know you have the initial talk and they seem genuine. And then how do you get from there to saying, okay, I've, I have a Christian friend in your town. I want you to meet up in the park or, or how do you, how do you screen them to the point that you say, okay, I'm willing to put another person at risk by connecting these two. Well, that is done through our partners. And what we do is we have partners, um, uh, in the country that actually handle all those things. They have uh, different measurements uh, for security in place, um, which um, I don't even ask them to, to, to let us know because uh, there needs to be a degree of suppression mm-hmm. for their own security. But I can tell you this much, that it takes over a year before a person that has contacted us on the phone would eventually come even close to being exposed to the body of believers in the underground church. They're all compartmentalized. And um, half the time, uh, some of these people who are going through the system may be rogue agents, just want to infiltrate the movement. So we need to be very careful. These groups that are in the country are are experts at this, and they vet the people and they check the references. And I think uh, for our listeners, you know, one of the things we always talk about is how can we pray? When you think about church leaders in Iran, pray for discernment as they have these contacts to know, okay, is this somebody I can trust? You know, should I go to this meeting? Should I not go to this meeting? Uh, That's something that we can lift up in prayer because, as you say, it literally is a day-by-day, hour-by-hour thing for them. They know any one of these people could be an agent of the police, could lead to them being arrested, could lead to their church being shut down. All of those things, which are kind of vague concepts for us, that's daily, hour-by-hour reality for them leading a church, leading a group inside Iran. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dr. Mike Ansari. He is the president of Heart for Iran. Uh, I want to encourage people to connect with Heart for Iran. It's heart, spelled out, the number four, Iran.com. Again, heart, number four, Iran.com. Let's talk about reaching Muslims, because your family came to America. You were nominal Muslims. Jesus reached out and got a hold of your mom, and then through that got a hold of you. For our listeners who want 
to reach out because, you know, we have Muslims that live here. We have Muslims we go to school with. What advice would you give them as they try to reach out and build relationships with the hope that that they can share the gospel? That's a very good question. We're seeing a huge influx of other faiths, uh, especially Muslims coming into America, and many of the listeners may even have neighbors that may be Muslims. Number one is don't panic, and uh, let's not, uh, yes, let's don't resort to paranoia. God is in full control. It's important for you to understand that most often these people uh, really don't know much about Christianity, and what they have heard are just negative things. So what you need to do, my recommendation is this. If you have a neighbor who is, um, who is a Muslim, uh, we feel that the key to winning uh, over the households, Muslim ho- households, are the women. So um, let's say uh, you, you could go ahead and bake a pie. And during uh, you know, morning hours, 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, when husband and kids are not at home, maybe you, the wife, could go ahead, you and your daughters or your wife can go and visit this, this Muslim lady at her home and just give her a pie and just say, I just heard you got uh, to this neighborhood, wanted to welcome to our neighborhood, and my name is so-and-so, and be right around the corner. If you ever need anything, just come and just leave it at that. And then go back and come back in a couple of weeks and just connect again. Just connect with that lady first and, uh, and make sure there is trust built. Because at some point, she's going to come to a point where, whether she's going to need some kind of a help to, to just find her way in, in, in American culture, in society, or she may be under some kind of a religious abuse or whatever it is, emotional abuse by her husband, that uh, she may want to reach out to a good friend as she may not have one. And that would open up doors. We have seen many, many cases of Muslim families coming to, to Christ simply because uh, the mom in that family has found Christ through a wonderful relationship with a neighbor, another woman who, who loved the Lord. And I think that's so important what you say, build relationship. Uh, and I think many of us, we think, okay, I've got to have most of the New Testament memorized, and I've got to be able to argue them out of Muhammad and this, and I've got to, and you say, no, take them a pie. (laughs) Get the door open and build relationship, and then let the Lord guide the conversation from there. That's correct. So the things that you do not want to do, do not argue with them. You don't have to defend the Christian theology versus Islamic theology. That is a no-no because the walls are going to go up. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you need to do is you need to just accept them and receive them. Now, accepting doesn't mean compromising, uh, but accepting means that you respect them as you would like to be respected. And uh, that is very important. Just build a relationship of trust. Mike, we were involved with a project with you last year here at Voice of the Martyrs. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Because I know one of the central tenets of Voice of the Martyrs is we want to get Bibles into as many people's hands in hostile and restricted nations as possible. Uh, we had a, a very successful effort on that in that regards with Heart for Iran last year. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, Heart for Iran with several other partners, we decided that, you know, there is roughly about 70% of Iranian population under 30 that I shared with you, but most of these Iranians that are tech-savvy are connecting to Facebook, Twitter, social media, despite the fact that in their country there is a very strong internet filter. So an average person cannot bypass Iranian filter and access, let's say, YouTube. So uh, the question was, uh, there has to be a way for these guys to be able to bypass it, and they're connected. So uh, we, we 
put together a campaign, a 30-day campaign to see if we could work with the partnership of various organizations that have the same vision and bring digital Bible to this new demographic of, of Iranian uh, youth that had never been exposed to Christianity. Uh, yet they're so tech-savvy that they're connecting to, uh, to the West. And, and we did that. We did that for 30 days. I'm not going to get into the details, but I, I can tell you this, that in 30 days, we actually confirmed 55,000 Farsi Bible distributions inside the country of Iran. How cool is that? 55,000 Farsi Bibles into Iran in 30 days, more than 1,000 a day. That makes my heart beat a little faster. That makes me get excited. Uh, and I'm excited about the fact that Voice of the Martyrs could be a part of that. Who knows? Who knows what the fruit of that's going to be? We won't know until we get to heaven. And I hope we get to run into some of our Iranian brothers and sisters and they say, oh, yeah, remember that Bible you sponsored? Yep. I came to faith because of that Bible. We're talking with Mike Ansari. He's the president of Heart for Iran. And Mike, as we finish up, I want to equip our listeners to pray for Iran. I want to equip our listeners to pray for the church, but I also want to equip them to pray for the country and for the lost and for Muslims there to find Christ. How do you advise us to pray effectively? What are the, the greatest needs for Iran right now? Iran right now is uh, suffering from different social issues, uh, such as uh, addiction, such as uh, divorce, uh, suicide, pornography. We need to pray for God's anointing and God's favor to be over Iran, over uh, the government of Iran. We need to pray for the leaders, Islamic leaders of the country of Iran, to have dreams and visions of Jesus. The Bible tells us about that. And now we're seeing a lot of Iranians having dreams and visions way before they connect with us. Mm -hmm. So we need to just pray for, for God to have his mercy. And the other thing that I wanted to share is we're finding out that there is so much power through collaboration and partnership. Uh, in this area, for those viewers that are, may not even be partners with Voice of the Martyrs and other organizations, something really amazing is going on. And if you're listening to this program and you have not become a partner, either prayer partner or partner of any kind of providing support to VOM and other organizations, there is so much that can be done for the kingdom of God through a partnership. So please consider partnering with VOM. And uh, you guys are doing an amazing job. It's an honor and pleasure for Hearts for Iran to be partnering with Voice of the Martyrs. We, we salute you, we bless you, and we thank you for all you're doing. We've been talking with Dr. Mike Ansari here on the Voice of the Martyrs radio. He's the president of Heart for Iran. I want to give you their website again. It's heartforiran.com. That's heart spelled out, then the number four, and then Iran, heartforiran.com. You can always connect with us here at vomradio.net. You can listen to past episodes and sign up for our free podcast so that you never miss an episode of VOM Radio. Again, that website is vomradio.net. Would you call us and let us know how God is using Voice of the Martyrs Radio in your life? The number to give us a call is 1-800-757-5069. 
it would be a big encouragement to us to hear how God's using the program in your life. Again, our phone number is 1-800-757-5069. You won't want to miss next week's program. We're going to hear from a woman named Shamsa Aydin. Her husband was brutally murdered for his faith in Christ in the nation of Turkey. I can't imagine the sense of loss and hurt that she experienced during that time. But God gave her grace in the moments even right after the tragedy to do something amazing, something that could only be explained through God's power. You're going to hear that story next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.